0: Hello and welcome to Touchline, from myself Kasper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello Mark. Hi Cas. nice to be in studio, very excited about tonight's
1: uh, or today's discussion. Um, Obviously we're talking with an astute coach and then Karika Rugby, So looking forward to this.
0: With us today we've got Mr. Sean Erasmus. Sean is currently one of the coaches at the Emirates Lions. He does defense and breakdown. And, Sean, what I have here in front of me is, is very impressive, I must say. Coaching from club rugby, provincial rugby, schools rugby, um, SA school side, it's, it's just too much to mention. Um, so I would like to ask you, how did you get involved in coaching and where did it all start? Oh, thank you very
2: much. Thanks for the awesome opportunity. It's always a pleasure to chat rugby and um, yeah, just to see some familiar faces. Good to good to see see people that I've worked with before and had good tours with and good travels with. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, probably the most important thing is, is you know, I sort of originated the love of the game. I had a very good school coach that worked with me and... Um, he died of cancer when we were in matric, so we did a post-matric year for him. And I think that's sort of where my love started growing for for the game. And just being able to see the influence that he had on us as players really inspired me to be able to do something like that as well. But I ended up going to play a bit of rugby after school and doing what all boys do at that age, 18 19 you want to earn some money and do whatever you can with your life. So amongst the multiple amount of different things that I did, I ended up playing rugby for Harlequins in the Bluff. And um, while I was there, I hurt my back. And uh, obviously, trying to be independent, uh, I wanted to do something to earn money. So I always tell people it was amazing the day I walked into Grosvenor Boys, which is right next to the Harlequins Rugby Club, the school, basically. And um, as I walked in, some guy was walking out and he was quite upset about something. and, And him and I sort of bumped into each other. And he said, how can I help you? And I said, no, I just want to coach a little bit, wondering if you can out, I'll coach some of the youngsters and trying to still sell myself to, to get the job. And he sort of put the whistle in my chest and said, congratulations, uh, you're the new coach. <laughs> and I said, jeepers, that's awesome. You know, what team? And he said, no, the first team. And I said, wow, I wasn't sort of asking for that. When do I start? And he looked at his watch and he was like, well, in about an hour and a half stop. And um, that's how I kicked off my coaching with all the surfer boys at Grosvenor Boys and, and the Bluff. And uh, I never looked back from there, sort of, you know, just love, just love the fact that I could work with young men and, and see the results from, from what we did together as a team.
0: Talking about the schools, just something that caught my eye is what you've actually done at Glenwood. Um, there's mention made here that um, Glenwood went from, let's call it a, a non-known club or unknown club or unknown school to to one of the the top 20 in the country and the, the top five in in kzn while you were there as the head coach now the question is what what motivates you the most as a coach what what gives you that drive
2: yeah, I think the most important thing is is that it's always teamwork I mean the Glenwood you know the Glenwood time, or any other town that I've had Grosvenor, Glenwood, ball boys are all the schools and everywhere that I've been involved, it's always been a great team effort you know I've never been about one person, and I think um you know what motivates me the most is just seeing when you start with something, you start with a project, you start it from the ground, and that project's not only just. Whatever it is, it's it's everybody. It's the school. It's the it's the boys. It's the team. It's the sponsorship. Everything. I just love seeing when you start with a project and it's basically you know and it's in its infant phase, and you can just see how it grows. You know, you just see how teams start shaping, how it forms, how it becomes something special, something unbreakable. Um, that's been sort of like the highlight for me about coaching is just seeing something from the bottom grow, and become something special. So those are probably the most memorable things for me. I always say to people, I can't remember if you had to ask me uh, probably the 10 best games that I was involved with in the scores. I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you about special moments in the change room. I can tell you about personal growth of the players. I can tell you about boys that, that, that changed their lives because of the game. I can tell you about how they embraced faith or well, I can tell you all special moments like that but I can't really remember any good scores um, and, and any detail about amazing games but it's just seeing that growth of something starting and something finishing. I love that.
1: Isn't it uh, just amazing as a, as a coach as you Let's say let's call it develop players because that's part of our responsibility. Obviously, it's not only rugby per se or skills per se. You mentioned faith. Faith is part of that. I mean you as a coach play a massive role in that. Some kids um, unfortunately don't have parents, so you take over that role. But isn't it amazing as a as a coach? And it's and it's nice to hear your background in that as a schools coach. And I mean you were you were head coach at, at big schools. Um, part that a coach can play in a person's life regardless of whether he is successful as a rugby player or not. But just you as a coach has that influence to change his mindset in certain things.
2: No, definitely. You know, a lot of the boys, well not everybody ends up being a professional rugby player but everybody has the choice to become a great man. And I think that's that's like the most amazing part for me is, is when I see the boys from Glenwood or from wherever I've been involved is we still like each other, we still we still got that intimate relationship. We've still got that bond, you know, and that, that's what makes it absolutely special is, is, is like you say, it's not about the rugby. The, the game is just a byproduct of creating each other, you know, creating that amazing relationship. Yeah. And, yeah, just like I feel I've had a part to play in boys' lives, I also feel that they've had a massive part to play in my life. Definitely. Yeah,
0: then, from your Paul boys' high into... All the provincial sides that you've that you've coached, from the underages through to um, the um, Curry Cup. What is it like to be a coach now in these challenging times, coaching a Super Rugby side or a Curry Cup side?
2: Yeah, I must tell you, we were actually. I was reflecting on it the other day. Um, I actually shook myself a little bit just to come back to reality when i was a very young man i used to watch rugby with my dad i remember going to go watch the sharks we stayed in escort in the midlands of natal i grew up there um, my dad used to have to drive through it's about an hour and a half two hours drive from escort to durban and we'd have to go and watch the natal the banana boys play in those times. And um, I remember watching players uh, like Uli Schmidt and guys like that, like Sean Gage was my hero. Uli Schmidt was my hero, um, you know, playing for Northern Transvaal and Natal in those days. I used to walk into Kings Park, and it used to be the most amazing privilege for me as a young boy going there with my dad and then braying afterwards and playing touch rugby with, with every single guy that I met at the stadium that day. But a lot of times... Um, walking into stadiums now as a Super Rugby coach or a Curry Cup coach, you're so focused on getting the job done that you forget what an amazing privilege it is. And um, I just took some time out on Saturday walking onto Loftus and just thinking that, wow, you know, um, this is something that I've always dreamt of. Um, This is just just what I've always wanted to do with my life. So I think, um, you know, coming back, I think the most special thing about being involved with the Curry Cup is just exactly that, is having the, the privilege of, of being in the back room where nobody else gets to see how everything happens or goes down before the, the whistle blows. Um, just the privilege of walking on that hallowed grass that a lot of boys dream of playing on. Um, you know, that's yeah that's sort of like the most amazing part for me. And uh, yeah, Saturday was just one of those moments again.
0: But now, what does it feel like walking out on the loftiest pitch and there's absolutely nobody in the stadium?
2: I must be honest, um, you know, the first time that it happened, you sort of look around and wanting to see people. But um, again, on Saturday, I, I just can't remember ever paying attention to that. And I think, you know, um, we've, we've spoken to players a lot of time. At the beginning, it was, it was quite surreal running on without people being around. But just the love of the game, I think, sort of takes over. And, and, and it's, it's quite nice. I wish that a lot of people could experience that sitting there, and you can actually hear the players talking. you can hear the calls, you can hear the intense focus, the sort of like you know the the reason why we first loved the game you know you can hear all of that and see all of that first hand um, yeah so so I think it is uh, we'd love to have people i mean that's what makes a game you play for people yes. you know you you do we do what we do we're entertainers, you know we do what we do to have people around and and I think it's, it still would be nice to have people, but just at this moment we're just blessed to be able to play the game that and be involved with the game that we love and that it's on the go.
1: Sean, I just think that obviously part of one's responsibility, And if I look at a professional outfit like yourselves, I mean the players get paid to perform, regardless whether they play in front of spectators or not. But um, as, a, as an old rugby player yourself, you know that once you take the field, you don't really hear the the other spectators at times you might hear it when you go and score a trial there's a conversion or whatever but the other time you're so focused in what you have to do so being a professional outfit i assume that yes it's nice for the players to play there but that is secondary to them because they are there to perform and obviously like yourselves you had to you had to play in a semi-final to try and get into a final so um although it's nice to play there you guys have played the whole curry cup season basically without any spectators so it wouldn't have had Uh, a massive effect on your players' preparation and motivation and that. Am I right? Because they they don't really hear anything like that.
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's just something that we decided early on is that we're not going to be focused on that. Um, It is a job that we need to do. And remembering that we were off for like three or four months where we didn't do anything. So when we used to have team meetings and during lockdown, the players would say... They don't care what they have to do. Just they want to just want to play, play the game. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. no, it's not really a focus for them. And mm. yeah, just while you were talking, I was just remembering playing. Um, and I see Gus now wearing a t shirt. So you would remember surely, you know, playing at Harlequins. We never heard the crowd, but you always used to hear that song when you scored a yes, try, yes. you know, uh, the mighty Quinn. Yes. So that's usually what we used to hear quite often, uh, my days playing for Harlequins. So yeah, that was a good sound at
1: least. I still, I still go back to that song every now and again. So one of my European teams that I follow is obviously Harlequins, and uh, it started because yeah. of the song at <laughs> We coach well. I Amazing. didn't play there, but coached there, so um, I hear you exactly. And, and that is something that sticks with you as a as a fond memory. Yeah, okay, I, I just want to ask another question now that we are on the Curry Cup and Super Rugby side of it, uh, more so for our listeners and the aspiring coaches that are out there um, obviously you've come through the ranks I mean you and I coached together before We, as you said we went on tour and whatever but all of that is amateur and those are times that that's your passion that drives you, obviously you're in a professional outfit now um, prior to that you were uh, SA schools coach and so forth. There already it started, although it's amateur, it started becoming semi-professional, if one, can, if one can mention it like that. You've now converted into a professional side of it. Obviously, a lot of the preparations are, are different. Um, I think the basics are probably the same from Premier Division rugby right through to, to where you are at the moment, although it's tweaked because there's a lot, lot more technical aspects to it and so forth. But what is it that you as a coach had to adapt to, to perform at the utmost level where you are currently compared to when you were a head coach, because obviously you're an assistant as well now. Um, what changes did you have to go through? How did you have to rethink about things and, and, and do things?
2: Yeah, well, I think, you know, people quite often ask me that question and then ask me to revert it back to schools rugby. What's different? And it's, it's, it's quite a sensitive question because you're never going to keep both parties happy. But I think, you know, with everybody within their own right as a coach is very proud of the work ethic and the work that they put in. So they never want to feel that they're doing less or more than somebody else. But I think, you know, probably the, um, probably the most significant difference for me is, is the workload. Um, You know, and I think, um, you know, we've got to respect the professional realm of people coaching and working is just the amount of work that goes into the before you even hit the field. You know, we um, give an example for this weekend against the Bulls. You know, you're analyzing, analyzing 10 games of the Bulls, you're taking out different sections of it, you're analyzing it again, you're breaking it down again, you're looking at it from four different camera angles. You're trying to get that edge that will make the difference um, uh, between you and the other team. And sometimes it's one small little detail. It's, it's one player being out of position. And I always use the example, um, when, we played, um, when we played the Auckland Blues to sort of give you a wake-up call, my first season, Super Rugby this year, standing at Eden Park, um, the players coming out, three-quarters of the team is an All Blacks team. Um, sort of walking out, and I I turned to Cash, our head coach, and I was like, jeepers, you know, now you know you're in the big game. is when three-quarters of a team runs out, and they've had a couple of tests behind or under their belt and whatever. And they analysed our defence so well that they knew if they they did something off a line-out and they played pretty close, they trapped our wing inside the defensive line. He couldn't get out for two phases. And it took me all of that half of that game to realise what these guys were up to, Um, because they attack sort of and they just keep your wing inside which then leaves your blind without a quick man on the end you know and if it happens quickly quick enough you trap the fly off and you trap the wing on the defense Um, and then they were sort of going one two phases and taking us back to the blind side and they were getting around us and I just I was just sitting there trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with the defense but actually You know, you just it's just that type of detail that these guys are so intelligent with. And then they create a one-on-one with a 13-centre versus a hooker. And they're looking for those differences all the time across the park. So, you know, even the weekend when we played the Bulls, I noticed that our props were sort of finding themselves together a lot of times. And then uh, the scrum-off of the Bulls, Ivan was picking up the ball and coming on a shape of nine and attacking them which was not allowing them to get that spacing right quick enough. So, you know, it's that small detail that um, that we spend hours and hours on. And, you know, you share a large amount of clips for the players on their analysis programs to go through as well. But it's just that time and it's just the attention to detail, you know. And not saying again, my last job at Paul Boys, we we're spending a lot of time on detail, but the intense amount of detail that you're going through with these guys and the, the time that they spend on it is just crazy. Yeah.
0: I agree, 100 percent. Going back to, to Club Rugby, we spoke about a little bit about Mums and Toti and Club Rugby. You spend um, time here in, in, in the Durban region playing for Holiquins and then coaching at, at Collegians as well as at Old Boys. Your involvement now as a provincial coach in Club Rugby, what does that entail, if any?
2: Yeah, so when I started at the Lions, my first responsibility at the Lions was head of junior rugby. So I was basically responsible for all the junior players coming in and then all the players that are not playing super rugby. So basically the old Vodacom Cup competition at the Sharks, um, you know, the Supersport Challenge, all of that. And what I found is with the players going up and down into super rugby, it was quite hard to build the squad because on a Thursday, Swayze would say, OK, Sean, there's seven players. I want you to play these guys. And then there was, you know, sort of the lack of depth and, and the, the financial sort of era then as well was sort of moving towards we didn't have two full teams that we had. We had a squad of, let's say, 45 players in the whole union or 60 players. And then out of that, three teams had to be picked and played with most weekends. So I started going with Alvijn Hollenbach that, that was involved with Ritterport. And I ended up going there and fetching players. Because I feel, you know, if you look at just the Natal system of the club system there, the Natal club system is amazingly strong, just as what it is in Cape Town. And a lot of those players are actually good enough to play um, provincial rugby. They might just not have that opportunity. So we were spending a lot of time there, especially in my first year recruiting um, players out of the club system and bringing them in. The nice thing now is, is you've obviously got varsity cup. Um, your Vits and your UJ Varsity Cup. So it's nice to have those young players that come into your under-20 system and then from there you can sort of have a look at them. But yeah, club rugby is hugely important.
1: Can I just ask quickly on that, um, part of the the questions that I'd like to ask from a Lions perspective, you're talking about youngsters now, you're talking about club rugby, um, and obviously you being involved in the juniors as you joined the Lions. What is, what is your junior rank's, like in the sense of depth, and obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm sure your academy is is functioning, um, and all the feed is coming through. If I look at your the Lions side specifically, that has been playing the last few weeks, many of those are youngsters that have come through the ranks, and obviously, it all bodes well for the Lions in the future. Um, and to reach the semi-final was was actually quite great, seeing where you guys came from in the beginning of of, of the season, if I can put it that way. So, how's your depth? Are you guys looking good going forward, because obviously the Pro 18 is still on its way?
2: Yeah, no, I think, you know, starting with Akibs and then Swayze and now with Cash, I think what, what they've done well in conjunction with everybody is to give the young players opportunity to play. So all of our young players that we've contracted, we've really sort of put a lot of trust into those guys and said, you know, we want you to play and we want you to get your opportunity. So if you just look at this this season alone, you know, like guys like Mournay van de Barak, the scrum off, um, MJ Pelsa, the sixth flank, Franco Horn, the Lucy, you know, Ruben uh, Schumann, All those guys have come through our junior program mm. and they're getting an opportunity to play now. And, you know, we just had a planning meeting this afternoon and looking at the list of players. We, we, we want to encourage again, you know, for pro rugby to use some of those young guys. Um, and we're trying to get them up the ladder as quick as possible and give them exposure. So the competition starting now in February will give again that opportunity for the youngsters. We're going to give all those youngsters a full run and a full go um, because we want them to come through. We want to play them. A, um, it's just something the Lions have always believed in, is playing the youngsters and giving them, letting them earn their stripes to play senior rugby.
0: Great. You're talking about players now coming through the ranks and, and developing and becoming better. What advice will you give? I don't, want to, I don't want to say youngsters. What advice will you give any person that would like to get involved in coaching? Um, to, to get involved and where to start and how to start?
2: Yeah, look, I'm a firm believer, earn your stripes. Um, I think it's the most important thing for any coach to do. Um, you know, working with a lot of young coaches now, they expect gold within the next week or, mm. or very soon. And, you know, uh, looking at my CV, you'll probably see that I started from under eight junior club rugby, yes. Uh, coached every single age group in Natal except for the Sharks' main side, uh, right up until Vodacom. So for me, it was always about that, working with a person like Garth Giles that helped me a lot with my development. Um, you know, he kept saying to me, you know, you've got to be patient, my boy. You've got to earn your stripes. You've got to go for it. So I give the same advice to young coaches. Yeah, um, try and be diverse in the sense that coach at a primary school, coach at a high school, coach at a club, get involved at club level, coach there. And, and sort of go with three teams. And then the guys tend to say, jeep, is three teams, how do you do it? And so I remember coaching five teams at once uh, when I was involved at Natal Rugby. You know, it was really about being diverse, earning your stripes, getting a different feel. What you learn at primary school, funny enough, at one o'clock in the afternoon, from one to two coaching at a primary school Most probably, or 99%, you're going to use it effectively at the high school. And what you learned with the high school boys, I ended up using with the club guys at 6 o'clock in the evening. And what I learned from the club guys, I ended up using at the Sharks Curry Cup under 19 and Vodacom Cup side. So everybody gives you that glimpse into just going back to basics, doing it really well and being able to execute it well and then being able to coach it. So the advice to the young coaches would be, you know, earn your stripes, coach as much rugby as you possibly can when you're young. Get involved at every single level. Coach Club rugby, junior club rugby. Coach as much as what you can. Just really get your hands dirty and if somebody offers you a coaching job with the under fourteen F side, go and do it because you're gonna love it, you're gonna get something from it. And somewhere somebody's gonna see what you're doing and give you an opportunity up higher.
1: I agree with you one hundred percent. And and you know, part of that is when you're at a school side or a club side and then you go into a provincial side or whatever, you you take with you what you've learned from players that um, even those that are starting to to learn how to play rugby you take something with. In any case Sean I'd also like to ask you uh, if we can turn to to the curry cup before we end. Um, and obviously, firstly, we'll start with, with your game it's against still going the Bulls. On the
2: curry cup. Isn't it finished now?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, but well... For two not, sides.
0: Not right? for, for us, two sides. We
1: We're still fighting a battle here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, firstly, to you guys... Um, the sorry. sun
2: still hasn't come
0: up in Joburg, guys.
2: <laughs>
1: no, true. That's what I always tell my boys as well. The sun comes up tomorrow, something new to fight for. And, uh, you know, we, yeah. we can always just praise the Lord for the opportunity to keep on playing. So, it doesn't really. stop. Um, but yeah. what I want to ask you is, if you, if you reflect back on the Bulls game, I believe it's a game that the Lions could have won. I think you guys put a lot of pressure on the Bulls. Um, you were trailing at one stage and you came back, came back quite well. And I was telling the people that I was watching with, um, you know, that was just after halftime. If the Bulls had scored first, possibility of you guys falling completely out of it was good if you guys score first, then obviously you'll be in the game, and you, and you actually made it quite a good game, but one thing that stood out, and I think everyone is talking about that, is is the lack of discipline, if I can put it like that, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a few ways of looking at discipline, one could be over eagerness, so on and so forth, so other than the ill discipline, if I can, can put it like that, what What do you think was the main driver for you guys to fall short the way you did?
2: Yeah, Mark, good question. Um, I think in the first place, to reflect just on the game, you obviously get a lot of stats that the public don't see and people aren't privy to. You know, it was 26-minute ball in play, which is the first big concern. Um, You know, it was quite disappointing that the whistle sort of got blown so many times because it took away from, from the spectacle that it could have been. It was the you know, really frustrating
1: as well to watch that. Yeah.
2: You know, and it's 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 something that that we wanted to really bring to the party on Saturday as a Lions team. We, we really wanted to play an attractive brand of rugby. We wanted the tempo to be really up. That's what we've always stood for with you know, the, with the Xerox Lions is that we play a high-tempo game and that we wanted to give the ball some air. And I think when we came out second off, it was the first time that we sort of, we, we got rewarded set piece and we could play from it. So, so we started running from the kickoff because we, just, we were so disempowered at Seppi's time that we just felt that the way we're going to sort of loosen this game up is playing off kickoffs and sort of running the ball from all over the place. And I mean, those first two trials that you saw in the second half, they were from deep within our own 22, you know, sort of having a go and, and loosening it up. So, so I think, you know, it's disappointing for us. Um, we definitely had some huge fault there. You can't blame the referee for, for, for the outcome of the game although it is frustrating at times and you do question decisions, but I think, you know, we've got to be full value and take responsibility for discipline issues when it came to tackle height, um, you know, staying on our feet at times. Um, I, I, just, I just felt like the way that it stopped and started all the time really broke our our, our willingness to, to try and quicken up the game and, and get the tempo up. And I think that added to frustration, with, which had the players taking more chances than they should. Um, so, yeah, so on the discipline side of things, I think that was probably the most frustrating thing for us. Um, I think it was a total of 31 penalties. Yeah. You know, and it's just Plenty like... 20 odd teams, wins you know, against yes. you guys.
1: So. Now, and, and, yeah. and, you know, you you might not be in a position to elaborate. So as a as a coach, I'll do that on your behalf, um, if it's all right with you. <laughs> I'll but, just not. But I, I can promise you, I sat in front of the television and obviously my wife's a bull, believe this or not. So um but knowing you, I would have liked the Lions to win. And obviously with the Sharks winning, it would have been a home final for us. Um but I can tell you some of the decisions personally I believe were shocking. Um and it is, it's 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 a it's a dead rubber for a team like yourselves that get penalized. Sometimes it's a fifty-fifty that could have gone either way, but some of it was was shocking. You know, if I to go away from the Lions for argument's sake, and and you as a coach can come in, yeah, if you I don't know if you were able to watch the game of the Sharks against Western Province, but um, if I look at one specific thing in that Sharks game, Sanhele Noamba received a a pass from obviously one of his players, but he was airborne and he was tackled in the air um, and play was allowed to go on, so obviously, no matter what, you're not allowed to touch a player in the air so with TMO with all of that available, still there was no penalty or infringement penalised for that. So, um, you know, it is frustrating. And I I think, you know, in in, in such a big game like a semi-final, you would hope that the referees would get it as spot on as possible. You know, and it is frustrating. We've all been there. So you don't need to say anything. Um, I said it on your behalf. And I felt for the Lions because I really felt that, that the Lions stood a, a good chance of winning. And you guys were in the game. I'm not talking penalty-wise because obviously that blew you out of the game. But you were in the game. You put the Bulls under pressure. And I feel for you guys because I think this was the third game this season that you narrowly lost to the Bulls. So, um, but all the best for you guys going forward. So I'm sure you guys will bounce back. You've got a young side, as I said. So I think things will go well. And then just before I hand over to oh, Kass to, to talk, um, your, your thoughts on the final between the Sharks and, and the Bulls on the weekend? Um, I don't know how much you can and, and are willing to say, but what are your thoughts about it? How do you think it, the outcome might be?
2: No, I think, you know, um, the Bulls are playing off a lot of momentum at the moment and that gives them a lot of confidence. Um, I don't think ground Advantage plays such a big role now without the crowds, but... It is really tough up here. Um, you know, it gets gets really tough if you play a fast-paced game. Uh, the guys from the coast struggle to breathe a bit in the last 20 minutes or, you know, the last 20 minutes of each half when you, when you sort of go through that dip. But um, I think, you know, once again, the Sharks proved again their kicking game can really become tough for teams to figure it out. And, and because they've got such good contesting on the wings, you know, when they play and go into the kicking game, you know, guys like Sabu and those guys, their contesting game is really, really good. Their aerial skills are really good. And with your and him on the wings, you know, they put a lot of pressure on that facet of the play. So you've got to be extremely accurate. And although the Bulls drop a player like Dwayne back, um, I think it's going to be tough for them with, with, um, with shorter wings to, to sort of evade that, that kicking game of the Sharks. At the same time, the Bulls have become very clever on the way that they attack and they've they've gone away from a one-dimensional game. So, you know, credit to Chris Rousseau doing the attack and and working with the guys. They've become really good at at running direct and lateral attacking lines, which keeps you guessing um, defensively. And the Sharks have a good line speed. They tend to come off the line quite well. So... Again, this weekend was really good, solid defense against Western Province. So I think that should, should play themselves out. And, you know, the Bulls staying connected and sort of just pushing you out to the edges with their defense um, will take away any sort of attack that the Sharks want to try and play around them. So I think it's going to come down to uh, hopefully not. I know the public doesn't want to see a kicking game or see something boring, but I think the Sharks are very good at not playing in the or the Sharks are very good at playing in the right areas. And so are the Bulls. So I think it will come down to the set-piece battle. It's going to come down to that again. Um, and what the Bulls have shown successfully is they dominate at set-piece and then sort of kick and go into that mauling game, which they're very good at, and gain reward from that. And then Monet, uh tends to not miss quite often, just like Kerwin does. So uh, I know I've spoken in a couple of circles now because I'm trying to think what's the best possible answer I'm going to give you. To say who's going to win because it's going to be a, I think it's going to be really, really tough.
0: I was going to Um, answer you and ask you in any case. You're a you're a Durban (laughs) Boerkie by heart, so you might you might as well just say Sharks. Come on, (laughs) you might as well just do. Yeah, I
2: think uh, yeah, you know, losing this weekend to the Bulls in the semis, I hope the Sharks win. Um, That's it.
1: um, All you need to, I'll ask um, the question, um, you just nod your head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so now I. I, and I really respect Sean Everett.
1: So I really hope that it goes well for him. Yeah, look, I look, I you know I'm a shark myself, and and you know we've coached we've coached here. Um, one cannot take away the Jake White influence at the Bulls. How the Bulls have turned around in the last season or so since he's been there. What he's done to the junior structures. If you really think about it, if you look at the log Super Rugby, end of Super Rugby now the, the post post uh, COVID. Um, and the Curry Cup, you know, the Bulls have, have been the side that has been at the forefront, they've been at the top of the log. They are deserving, probably, um, to be in the finals. So, um, you know, if, if you look at it like that, where they've been, they they won Super Rugby, you know, I know it was difficult with regards to COVID and some of the matches that didn't play, take place, but they deserve to be in the final. As you rightfully said yeah. as well, a final is a 50-50, it depends who pitches and who can handle the pressure more than the other. Um, but you know, as a shark, I'd I'd love the sharks to win as well. But I think the 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 bulls are maybe a pace or two ahead. You know, so it's for us to to bring it back to a level pegs and then try and take it.
2: Yeah, you know, that's why I'm saying. really looking forward to the final. It's two great teams um, with with amazing players in key positions that can really turn the game on its head. So I'm I'm excited. I'll definitely light up the fire, um, get a nice carp, on the on the brow and watch the game and just enjoy it. So I'm, expect, I'm expecting
1: a, a message from you on Saturday to say good lucks to the Sharks and we'll celebrate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Will okay, do. same.
1: Thanks, Sean. Thanks a lot for the chat. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much, Sean. Appreciate your time and please um, tell the union as well. We appreciate them allowing you to talk to us. Um, it was very nice hearing all your insights and having you on our show.
2: Thank you, and uh, I'm gonna try and make a plan to send you guys something special in red and white that you can uh, maybe give to one of your listeners, and hopefully a gift or two for you guys as well. Just so that there's a little bit of color in that background. There, it's very black and white, so well, that's make what sure you get be. a bit of red in there. <laughs> we dressed like this specifically for there. you. <laughs> Thank well you Thanks for the Thank opportunity and um, to everybody out there, God bless and, and enjoy it.
0: Thank you. God Thank you very you much, too. Sean. Thanks, okay. Sean.
2: Thanks, From People.
0: myself, Kasper Els, Sean Erasmus and Mark Cameron, have an absolutely great rugby week.